Welcome back to the Brothers Book Club Podcast, episode number seven. I know that because the Google document says seven on it. We're here. We're here with another Penguin Classic. That's what we're working through for the next 73 episodes, Ryan. It's going to be nice and succinct here. We're well on our way. 73 to go. Um, Today, we're back with a classic by Pu Song Ling. Uh, a Chinese, I want to get the year right, I have Wikipedia here, Chinese author um, who wrote around 1600. Yep. Mid and, mid and late 1600s. Born, um, yeah, born 1640, died 1715. And in, in that lifespan, got in a lot of- Yeah, that's like living to 150. I, yeah, I'd say there's been an appreciation. Uh, your age probably about doubles, so yeah, he would be the oldest man currently alive had he survived. Right. Just transplant him, and yeah, this is a tangent that is paying off well. I can tell. <laughs> Spe- <laughs> yeah. Speculating on his age, he wrote in his life a lot of short tales, apparently, which Penguin collected into a collection they are calling Wailing Ghosts, which is just the name of one of the short tales. Right. Miniature tales even is what the back of the cover, uh, the back of the cover says. They are, uh, yeah, delightful miniature tales of macabre hauntings, monsters, and magic tricks, which, yeah, pretty spot on. The concerning part, and let's just jump right into my brief review, is that the, the cover also says they are classical China's greatest stories, to which I respond, I would hope classical China could do better. Uh, that's my, the shortest review I can muster for this uh, collection. Um, it, it reminds me of, I used when I was teaching, I would always use some Aesop fables to teach the idea of theme and the, the literary concept of theme. Yep. These are sort of like Aesop's fables in that they're that digestible. You know, some of them are a page or a half a page. Some are a, a bit longer. But so are some of Aesop's fables. Anyway, it's just that these have no, uh, they have no, if they have morality lessons in them, they're not heavy handed. They're about as light handed as you can get. And for me, my short review would be that's for the worse. Um, It it did make me question uh, teaching theme to middle schoolers was the hardest unit, generally speaking, because it's theme is comprehensive and it involves and encompasses all other parts of the story yeah Mm -hmm. all of them work in concert to make the theme Mm -hmm. exist should it have one uh and it just made me wonder if that those lessons were more crucial than even i thought when i was teaching them oh man well yeah that's that's one way of looking at these for sure it's he definitely jumps around a lot and if you're you know if you're into one of them and you can sort of dig in and pick out things that you like in one of the stories, your chances are you're going to get something completely different in the next story. And there wasn't, you know, some of these, they just, uh, they're just pretty blunt and they just kind of, you know, they just kind of start and then they, they stop and it's very, uh, it's hard to, you know, get like really rolling into these. Cause some of them, yeah, are just like two or three paragraphs. It is, I think, too, like you just said, the abruptness of some of the endings that just 
does not match with what a, a current, you know, 2019 reader would say, you know, I expect a story to give me X or Y. And the, the, so the, these just conclude in the most harsh stopping. I mean, some of them are just, you know, you think the story is yeah, cruising. And then a, <laughs> yeah. And then it's kind of like, and no one, uh, no one really saw him after that. And it's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> were, yeah. were we just talking about some insane, like, monster that was terrifying people and fucking shit up? And then it's like, well, no one really, you know, no one really knew. That's kind and of I it. Think You're like, if well. you had, if you were doing the stories campfire style, sometimes that kind of plays in, you know, like an oral tradition story, you know, you're chatting, you're, you know, in the new, and then Bob left town and never saw that mountain again. Um, I don't know if written down where you have the time to think and you're expecting, I don't know, a certain amount of uh, wrap up or denouement or whatever. I, these just will, they're, they're miniature. I think that's a well put They're They are tiny tales. Yeah. Yep. They're uh, short and sweet. Some sweeter than others. Here's a quote that can embody, um, that I think can embody the, the issue of it, but also I guess the, the brief maybe, I don't know, intrigue or joy that you can get from reading some of these. There's one story um, about a beast that is just kills a tiger. And it is a good embodiment of just like dread or, you know, and existential dread of death. Cause yep. the last line is just the tiger died immediately and the black beast went away. And that's just how it ends. It was the story lasted <laughs> yeah. about two paragraphs. Nothing occurred in it. Well, I mean, the, the tiger was going to offer some meat to it, but people stole it. And then because it's the meat was gone. Yeah. Betrayed by man. Yeah. Mankind. Um, and I think they really, uh, they really screwed him there. <laughs> you could certainly derive a morality lesson from that. Um, I guess maybe I just, I think I just want a heavier hand. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, you could, you would kind of have to dig if you really wanted to figure out things to take away from this. Like, I almost wonder if they're, if they've just been passed down over, like, you're, you're calling these classic China's greatest stories. It's like, I kind of want to hear it, like, the diluted version that like your old, like, weird uncle would tell you or something like, uh, that has to there has to be like some point to it he's like well the tiger died and the the beast mm. went away and that's why you know you should never <laughs> you should always leave a note on, yeah. always leave a note on the refrigerator yeah yeah never drink someone else or never take someone else's food out of the fridge yeah, yeah put your name on your tupperware i mean we all know this otherwise know. you know someone, how many office workers gonna die are, yeah people will come for that and then there will be fights Actually, that's not a bad way of looking at it. That's probably the most relevant thing in 2019 that is probably similar, where it's like two guys watch someone put a delicious <laughs> like dessert in the fridge, and that person left, and they just figured, well, let's take a look at that dessert. Then the, com- the person comes back, and he goes to give it to somebody, and they're like, well, where the fuck is that dessert? And then the guy looks like an asshole. That's <laughs> like, that's I guess, a, yeah. I, I guess if you, you could kind of like, well, especially could, if you built it up. Yeah. If you built it up. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know. So yeah, that one. And also you, you have to say, uh, 
bonus points for the stories that come with one of those illustrations because those I thought were pretty sweet. I yes, I did want more of those. I love a good, you know, simple black and white illustration. We've been putting those up on our Instagram, and yeah, the, I think some of them are really quite enjoyable, and they add a little bit of life to stories that are otherwise maybe a little plain. I guess you could yes. say. Yes. Yeah, I think there's only three illustrations in here, but yeah, we could have used a couple more. But that one was a good one, the Black Beast one. Yeah, it was. I think there's probably five or so in here, but it was, yeah, it did make for a good accompaniment. Yeah, I yeah, I think a lot of the stories have to deal with with nature, humankind relating to nature, and I I would say, unlike a lot of classical stories, humankind fares pretty well, like has pretty good control of the natural world. In mm-hmm. these stories, again, I jumping ahead to um, like author to author type thinking, but th- this would be a good one to throw in with other classics like Gunlog in terms of a hey, I want to study this in, in my undergraduate class. Like you, you could you could string together, you know, plenty of plenty of cultural lessons and tie in some history. I'm sure there's things to be connected. There's dots to be connected, um, even thematic ones. Even though that stuff is light. I think you're I think you're definitely right. I think if we had, you know, longer than more than 30 minutes to like really get into these or if we wanted to take a few episodes and really break this down, I think there's there's definitely some comparisons and um I mean you were talking about themes earlier. I think if you if you really if you really compared a couple of these, put a couple of them next to each other, you would probably be able to get some get some good stuff out of it, and yeah, I I think that would that would work. Did you have any quotes that worked for you? Anything that jumped out or intriguing? We were t- yeah the one um, one we were talking about earlier, or just you know how some of these stories ended so abruptly earlier. There's the one story, uh, the fatal joke story on page thirty and. Um, I just pulled that last paragraph, just how they ended it, because it was just so like the story was so crazy and so wild. And the, 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 he ends it like saying his father decided to bring charges against the man who had told the joke, but the Joker's friends collected some money together and succeeded in buying him off. The father buried his son and dropped the charges. That's it. But the father was... (laughs) the father was bringing charges against a guy who told a joke that inadvertently killed his son well, in a and, very bizarre way. In his defense, his son's head had been nearly decapitated and then somehow just miraculously healed back. back. In, in, in six months, which is miraculous. Well, scar tissue, um, I think. I don't know. I actually even know what scar tissue is, but I'm sure some would have formed yeah. around an almost decapitated head. Well, you just got to think that, you know, it fuses itself back together, but <laughs> he rocked backwards too hard in a chair and, you know, his head just fell off. The The sword wound burst open and his head fell to, <laughs> fell to the ground in a pool of blood. And this is one where to- any sort of tone would be helpful because this could be a darkly comic and kind of funny little tale. Yeah, it just ends up. It just ends in the most neutral manner of just yeah. Then they then they did some legal business together and the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like then you know the dad got pissed, but then the friends did some stuff, and then the dad just accepted it. Story over. 
a strangely bland ending for a story about a man who recovered from a near decapitation and then laughed and laughed himself to death. Laughed and died. Yeah, I know. So that one stuck out to me and that's, yeah, that was one of the only, it's not, it's not real quote rich book. I didn't find it to be like, Oh man, that sentence, that sentence was fantastic. Like, it was more so, I guess, the stories themselves that kind of stuck out more to me than like any specific sentence. I don't know. And some now that I think uh, of it tie together better than I realized. There's another story where there's a, a, I think, young man trying to impress a young girl. And to impress her, he makes a joke about hanging himself and then accidentally does so. So I guess there, there's yeah. a little bit of, I guess they did say on the back, it is macabre humor. Like it, it, there's some death humor in here more than I even, I even read that description and didn't think of it that much until you just mentioned it. You know, there is a lot of death um, and some weird violence in here, but um, I, yeah, some of the stories are like, well, and then he died and that's why you don't do that. <laughs> that's, yeah. what, that's what happens when you, uh, I think in that story you just talked about, it's like, that's why you don't pretend to hang yourself with a whatever willow branch or whatever he did. Right. Yeah. These are stories that are begging for a fun uncle to ha- drunkenly S- say them spice to you. Him up, man. Spice them up. Yeah. It's like, so I think you know, going, go on a side like tangent about, you know, the, <laughs> the sword fight or something. And there was only one story that was so much more detailed than the others, the butterfly one, which we don't have to do, you know, we're not, this isn't a podcast around spoiling everything and getting all into the details, but there was one story in there that had more complexity in in its characters and the plot of it. Mm -hmm. Though even that could be described, I could do in, you know, a sentence or two. It was, you know, you're not talking, I'm not talking about a 30 page you know, novella or something. Yeah. I mean, what I think that story is, yeah, hands down the longest and it's five or six pages. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, or sorry, eight pages, but yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's some, there's some more detailed, you know, kind of more in depth stuff in here, but you know, th- that oddly enough, wasn't one of the stories that stuck out to me though. No, not really me either. I was just looking back over quotes and I found another good one for maybe some language use that just stood out. I thought it was kind of humorous, but humorous in the unconvincing way. There's a father who pretends that his son is dead and his his cry out is, ah, me, which I just, as an expression of mourning, I don't think I've ever heard someone cry out, ah, me, which I, maybe it's just uh, a translation thing or something. But I remember reading that and thinking this, this man does not seem that sad. I don't, he doesn't seem like he's experiencing loss. Yeah. It's like, oh, way to make it all about you, Ted. Yeah, yeah. It's all about oh. you now. I mean, maybe that's just an older expression of saying, oh shit. You know, when you say, oh shit, it's usually because of something you do. Yes. So it's, you know, uh, and he, and he yeah. did cause it technically. And then, yeah. And then we also, so we kind of get back into that conversation that we, I think we were having with one of the first, I think it was the Rosie and the priest. It kind of comes down to like the translator too. So this was translated by a guy named John Minford. You know, maybe he just has like a like a really simple kind of style because I think it kind of comes down to like there's 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 an interpretation there. Maybe 
I don't know. Maybe some of it just kind of gets lost. I would be inclined to believe you if we've not already encountered like a goon log that has an equal dry kind of neutralness to it. Now, granted, that yeah. was one continuous story. But no, but right. I mean, you're completely right. I just, you know, and a question we can never answer, which makes it, I guess, a good question. It's intriguing. Yeah, it's just something to think about, you know? It's, uh, I know we talked about it before, and I j- that just made me think of it uh, just now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about all the credit we can give to you, John. We don't know what work you do. Get in touch with us. It's uh, onthestump1 at gmail.com. Yeah, come be a guest on the pod. God, I'd love that. Love to have you. <laughs> we should actually reach out to him. We should, uh, yeah, we should start contacting these translators directly and uh, getting getting our listeners the answers they deserve. It might be the follow up, deep dive, investigative work that our audience demands and that our audience expects. I'll look hey, into it. You know, this yeah, if this podcast takes a turn into the weird, wacky world of translated text, then so be it. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. That's a good turn for us. Let's turn, right. hey, turn this guy into some review scores. Um, unless, did you have any more quotes? As you said, it's not a very quotable text. No, like uh, I didn't really pull, you know, anything too specific. It's That's why, you know, I was thinking we compare, this one it's almost easier to compare the stories or sort of digest the stories, especially when they're as short as a page or two it's kind of like um you almost look at it as just like a almost like a quote where it's just one idea kind of but um no i didn't pull any other quotes from this uh from this okay what are you thinking for a rating then we do a one to three system one being do not read this three being go out and read this and then two always being a qualified middle ground of some kind what's the rating for you on whaling ghosts I think, you know, I think I'm also discovering that this is just this like the style that I I like with these little black classics, the penguin novels. I don't know. I I'm finding myself more interested in the short stories. So, I don't know, man. I found these to be interesting enough. I've never heard any like classical China like mythical type stories before and i felt like there were some there's some twists and turns in here enough to definitely keep me being like somewhat interested as opposed to you know say last week with like getting into like architectural style and you know like the religious type stuff and more like lecture driven i don't know when that guy got the chunk bit out of his forehead on page i think five i was kind of just like all right this this is, uh, there's going to be some stuff in here. Some weird yeah, stuff. Some promise, uh, some promise biting. Yeah. Promise so, biting. I don't know, man. I'm going to give it a solid two. I was leaning towards three for a little bit, but then, you know, you can't just go throwing threes around. Just like they're, you know, that easy. I feel like this is a solid two for me. I do... Yes, the description I think is fitting. So I guess when I say one, people will already know if they've listened to this, if, they, if this is for them. It, this is a hard one for me. I've been keeping track of the uh, of our scores overall on a, a different Google spreadsheet. Just, just for, I think, posterity's sake, if we end up getting really deep into this and make it, then it might be a curious thing to look back on. I think it and will. So, 
so far the only other one I've given, uh, and I even gave a two to those poems that from that nature uh, monk person who that was those weren't even good but there was one in there i thought was just brilliant uh the only other one for me was gunlog and i think this is going to be a recurring theme i think for me speaking of theme i just when stories lack in characterization and just motivation description yeah i don't i don't want an author to take me very far like you know there's a lot of i I like a lot of show don't tell but Mm -hmm. this is just they're they're (laughs) telling you everything here like i'm not seeing it there's just it lacks subtlety it is kind of exciting like you said in a little bit um i wouldn't say any of them are spooky it's again you don't have any cadence or delivery to the writing so the ghost stories where that they're trying to get these spirits out of the house or things like there's one where it's you know like the shining he goes to a a abandoned mansion and has dinner with like these there's like just deceased ghosts and he just eats a dinner there yeah it just it's so flat. I, I just can't it's, fathom in in a world where you can go to Amazon.com and rent The Shining for like one ninety nine. Like what? I just why oof. go read that when you can just go watch The Shining? I, it's a uh, it's a tough sell, I think, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, I feel like well, that's a good point. In twenty nineteen, it's like you want you want the meat and potatoes, and I, they're like there's no shock value, real shock value here. It's all very matter of fact and you know this happened then this happened then this happened and that's what i think is if you're pairing this with like a cultural study again and i i just keep saying like college but maybe you're just curious maybe i don't know maybe you're just you read a book about china or you know classical like of course there'd be reasons you would want this but i just as a broad recommendation i think it's a one for me i just can't imagine a, a person you know who doesn't have that interest finding really much here that they couldn't find in elsewhere. I think I read um, when I was teaching middle schoolers, we did crossovers with social studies and in sixth grade, at least here in North Carolina, they have to do ancient history and they, mm-hmm. they have to know what the Epic of Gilgamesh is, but they never had to read it. So then I went and bought it cause I'd never had to read it either, even in like Western Civ stuff. And then, so I went and read it cause it's not very long. Um, and then I thought, well, I'll pull some passages and we'll analyze it and I'll actually show them the text, which we did. I didn't have them read the whole thing. But that's a story that just kind of revels in its strangeness. There's occurrences that are mythological and odd, but it just has that extra leg. Maybe it's just because it's one continuous story, but it has that extra leg of detail in it that just makes you invest just a bit more. You know, there's a bit more on each uh, plot point. There's a bit more on each character. And I think that's... A story obviously that has the advantage of being one continuous story. It's also far older, like thousands of years. But that just reminded me of an ancient tale that took uh, ancient liberties with storytelling and kind of you know that that kind of off kilter tone, strange mythological occurrences, and it just has more enjoyment in them. Like this, some of these stories, the way it describes the the fantastical stuff, it's like almost embarrassed. Like it just, it, or like they don't want to say too much or something. It's just, it's yeah. very curt. It just cuts it off. And it's like, well. Yeah, like, you know, a monster is just a monster. It's just like, man, he had big teeth. And yeah. that's it. You're like, okay. And like, let's, <laughs> let's hear, you know, let's hear more about this. But then I, I go back and I think about, you know, if this guy was writing these in the 17th century, 
who knows? And if, you know, if these are like, obviously like lore, like Chinese classical Chinese lore, who knows, who knows really how old some of these, some of these tales are. And then if you think maybe five, you know, four or 500, 600 years ago, that was probably, you know, that was probably pretty satisfying for people looking for like a good monster story. And now in 2019, you're like, man, that's, that's it. Like that's, that's really. Yeah. I think too, it's always going to be frustrating to kind of like try and like interpose yourself or, you know, transplant yourself and imagine the time when, and I I don't know how useful an exercise that is, but it, it does keep, it will be the relevance of this criticism will, will stay at least for me. And it's, you know, total recency bias, but it's just, we just have options in 2019. I'm sorry. You know, there's always that future bias. There's just more now. And we've accumulated a lot of stories since that, that these were collected. (laughs) And I just, as far as a recommendation goes, if you're, if you're not paying our podcast, but paying it in ear time to recommend things and like dig through, wade through these 80 classics, it's Mm. a one. I just, yeah. I can't mm. muster anything more. Yeah, true. You know, it, I'm glad we're keeping track of all of the ratings now because we are going to want to look back when we when we reach the top and go back and maybe uh, maybe maybe take back some of these twos or uh, you know some of the higher lower ratings. I think you know this the scale might change towards the end but i don't know right now i i got enough out of this enough enjoyment and um i guess surprise it surprised me a little i thought it was just going to be more even more boring i guess and it wasn't so you know i'm i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna stick with my two yeah no i I think that's uh, our our differences in scores only keep things intriguing we did both agree on a three only one time so far so, you yeah. know, we're, we're, keep, we're keeping the scores pretty spread around. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the next one, actually, which, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, foreshadowing here leading right into it. Um, you know what the next one's going to be? I do. You want to set it up? This is, um, I did a college course entirely dedicated to this person. So, yeah, <laughs> I think I've read everything in this collection. <laughs> Wow. Well, in that case, it's uh, yeah, it's a modest proposal by Jonathan Swift, which that'll be an interesting one, man. I didn't know you were so well versed. I don't even. I mean, it's been t- you're you're so far removed from college, right? Like you, uh, it happened. I took the class. I still have it, somewhere on my computer is like I saved all my papers, and you know, it's it's there. I probably still have like the books we use, but I, you know, who knows? I, rereading this will be quite helpful. I mean, I. And it's a nice little spread too, because there's, I think, a couple essays. There's obviously a modest proposal, which is a satirical essay, but there's also some poetry in here. That it, my one takeaway from that class was that his poetry was way better than I thought, and he never gets any attention for it because there's like so many legendary English and Irish poets from those roughly that that time. It's kind of like yeah. you know, there, there's just so many other people who get that credit. And I thought his poems were actually kind of intriguing. I sort of liked them, and they put one of them in here, which I made me happy. All right, nice. Well, that's that's definitely something to look forward to. I know almost nothing about Jonathan Swift or his writing, but I have definitely heard of a modest proposal before plenty of times. So 
I mean, it's the piece of writing that launched theonion.com. It just did it hundreds of years before theonion.com existed. Well, again, even something else, just more to look forward to now. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah, that's that should be enjoyable. I'm looking forward to going back and uh, maybe I'll dust off the old, maybe I'll dust off one of my papers and see if I can see what I was thinking, you know, 10-ish years ago. Bring it back, man. I mean, we might as well. Now's the time. Uh, before we close, do you want to inject some author-to-author stuff? We kind of covered it. I, I already mentioned some of the Goonlog connections, and although that wasn't even the last author, like Ruskin was. Yeah, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I um, I saw we had we had some pretty similar notes here. I, I just I feel like <laughs> I feel like Ruskin just wouldn't really have the time or like give a shit about any of these and i was thinking that he would probably tell you in the beginning like i'm just gonna tell you up front like i don't buy into any of this like monster stuff any of this you know this magic stuff and it's just a waste of my time that's kind of like the uh the vibe i got i suppose he plays it pretty straight i thought specifically a few of these stories were about uh trickery fooling people I don't think he would find any of the roots of that behavior honorable, no, nor would he be that impressed because a, a few of the stories too, I wouldn't say they're materialist, but a lot of them involved, you know, I'm going to steal this thing. This is a family heirloom goblet I'm taking, or I'm tricking you to try and get a free peach, or I'm going to steal your peaches, or here's this purse of money. And I, I wouldn't say these tales were predominantly, I don't know, materialist or anything, but there was enough thievery for me to wonder he'd probably turn his nose to him and just think, yeah, I'm not, I don't have time for this riffraff. Yeah, there was, there was definitely enough of that. I, yeah, I, I could kind of see him. Yeah. Turning his nose or just, uh, just like not really giving a shit. I, I don't know. I couldn't see, um, I couldn't see any good ones, but, uh, the Goonlog thing makes sense. Yeah, that was the, I get, we can keep reaching back as we go further ahead, further back into the archives of these books, but that was the one that struck me as just thinking, it just, again, reminded me of a lot of these uh, ancient or even classical things that I've encountered. It's got a lot in common with those. Well, maybe we open that up to, you know, author to author. Maybe we do go back and dig through the, uh, maybe that will qualify like everything that we've read leading up to that point. Who knows? If it's if it's kind of uh, if it's more of a stretch, but those are kind of some of the fun ones too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that will become a mighty task shortly, Ryan, as we forge ahead through these Penguin Classics uh, next week. That's right. That's I look forward to comparing the 80th to the 79 previous ones. That will be uh, a fun eight-hour endeavor. That'll be the marathon episode, the season finale, man. Yeah, yeah that's that- uh, that's going to be a big one. Stay tuned. Coming up next, the finale. (laughs) Stump Productions. Coming up sometime in 2020, maybe 2021. I don't don't know. know How how many many, many months we got left this year? Like maybe 30? Roughly speaking. Let's do the math off the air. Uh, Take us out of here, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Let's uh, let's let Poo Song Ling rest and uh, let's put him to bed. Let's put this thing to bed. All right. In the meantime, uh, we'll see you between the classics. (laughs) 